And I'd like to invite all of you adults to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Acts. We'll be in chapter 4 today, starting in verse 23. And if you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page 912. So uh, page 912 of those uh, Bibles we provide. And uh, we're going to continue our series in the book of Acts. We're calling it Overflowing because uh, these early followers were so filled with Jesus that they just naturally overflowed with Jesus wherever they were, whatever they were up to. And so uh, just to catch you up to speed, uh, this is what's going on in the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead. He taught his earliest followers about the kingdom of God. And he said, hey, I am, I am going to the Father, but I need you to wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to give you a gift like you've never seen before, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, will not just come in kind of episodic measure, okay, but he's going to come and dwell in you. He will remain in you, and he will remain in you to empower you to live the life I've called you to live, and most certainly that includes making other people understand who I am, helping them to understand who I am so that they can experience the life that you've experienced in me. And so we see this happen in Acts chapter 2. It continues on in Acts chapter 3. We saw last week that there was such a power at work through these early, early followers of Jesus that they could heal a lame man and help him walk again. So it's in the context of this miracle that Peter, uh, not only uh, through, through the power of God, helps this man rise to his feet and dance and leap for joy uh, over God bringing healing to him, but then he gets to tell everybody, hey, it's not because we're special that this man is now walking before you, but it is because of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Uh, yes, that Jesus that you killed, but God caused to rise from the dead. Uh, he is the one that's responsible for all of this. And guess what? Not everyone liked it. Not everyone liked it. In fact, there were uh, those in the religious establishment that said, hey, we need to put a stop to this. And so they arrested Peter and John, okay, the two primary leaders in the early uh, church, and, and they arrested them and put them in custody and said, hey, you are not to speak anymore in this name. So the early church was facing early opposition, and they had a decision to make. Will we back down? Will we cower back? Or will we move forward in the power of God? And so it's when they received this charge, hey, no longer speak in this name, that Peter and John reply, hey, uh, whether it is right in your sight to listen to you rather than God, you can decide. You can be the judge. But for us, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And so they once again charge them, don't speak at all in the name of Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story here. The, 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 the apostles, Peter and John, go back to this uh, group of, of, of Jesus followers who uh, we shouldn't be surprised were praying. And they report what happened. And then, I want you to catch this, almost reflexively, they just pray some more. In the face of opposition, they believed their greatest move was to pray. 
to call on God and to ask God to continue to fill them with himself that they might boldly continue moving forward and speaking about Jesus. And so what I want to do today to to help us wrap our minds around what's happening here at the end of Acts chapter 4 is give you uh, two metaphors, okay? Two metaphors that I hope will uh, be helpful to you, not just today, not just this week, okay, but but really for you the entirety of your life, okay? That, those metaphors are the mountain, okay, the mountain and the wave. You say, Tanner, what, what are you talking about? Well, you see, there is a continual pattern in the Bible that the mountain is associated with seeking after God. And, and, and the mountain was a place where, not just seeking after God, but, but especially seeking after God in prayer. Okay, so we see this in, in, in Exodus chapter 19. Uh, God uh, calls Moses up on the top of Mount Sinai, and it's there that he reveals the law and gives the law to the people of Israel. It's in First uh, Kings uh, chapter 18 where uh, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, gets into this confrontation with the prophets of Baal, the false prophets who were false worshipers, worshiping other gods. And he actually uh, builds an altar and has them build an altar. And he says, like, let's see whose God is really God. You know, if your God is really God, then you let him, you know, uh, consume this, this sacrifice covered in water. Um, and, 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 and then we'll, we'll believe you. But, but, but listen, uh, I'm going to call uh, down fire from heaven and, and just so that people would know that my God is the true God. And then at the end of the chapter, he He prays for rain when it hadn't rained for months and months and months, just seven times on his face, his face between his knees, praying again and again and again and again that God would bring rain. And on the seventh time, he sends his servant to look out over the horizon, and it says that he saw a cloud the size of a man's fist rising over the sea, and Elijah knows God's sending rain. There's, there's, There's a seeking after God on the mountain. And then, of course, like... If you don't care about Moses and Elijah, I hope you do, but if you don't care about Moses and Elijah, can we just talk about Jesus for a moment? You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus, it says in Luke 6, 12, that he uh, spent all night in prayer on the mountain. After he fed the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14, it says that he went alone on the mountain just to pray, just to talk to his father. In Luke chapter 9, he takes Peter and John, where? On the mountain to pray before he's transfigured. His glory is revealed before uh, them in those moments. And so the mountain is a, is a place of, of prayer. The mountain is a place where we, we retreat from the world, right? We, we, we appreciate that as, as urban dwellers, okay? Uh, where we can get away, where we can find some solitude, and where we can just focus in and lock in on who God is and what he is calling us to. And so it's, it's, it's in this story that we find that this is the reflexive move of these earliest followers. They pull back so they can press in to God in So read along with me as I read these verses for us. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. When they were released, they, referring to Peter and John, they went to their friends, 
and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the, the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you both anointed, both, uh, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all, all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray together. God, we need you now. God, we need you now because even on our best days, we are people who are prone to fear. We fear people rather than looking to you. God, we often cower back rather than boldly marching forward. And so, God, in these moments, we ask that you would do what only you can do, which is change our hearts, fill us with your Holy Spirit to live absolutely bold, loving, dare we say, radical lives for the sake of your name. We pray this in Christ. Amen. So, so what, what we find here, what we find going on, is that these earliest followers were literally praying past their fears. All right, so, so I, don't, I don't know what you fear today, but I just know that prayer can move you past your fear. Prayer can take you beyond the place of your fears. And we see that, that, that their prayer was moving them beyond the place of fear uh, because of, of three different realities about God and about prayer that we can hang on to today. Okay? The first is this. They were praying uh, and calling on the God who is over the opposition. All right? Prayer calls on God the God over the opposition. 
And so just, just think about this. We're talking about, like, God is not over the opposition, like, oh, I'm over that, okay? God is over the opposition. He is above it, all right? He, 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 is, he is higher than, he's more powerful than the opposition that we face. And so that's why they, they immediately, uh, when they pray, they, they, it says they, they heard it, and then they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. All right, so, so, so please, let's just, a couple of things right here. All right, number one, let's not miss that their prayer was reflexive. All right, you, you know what a reflex is. It's just like, you, you just don't even think about it. Like, you, like the doctor, like, hits your knee, and you just, like, the knee just reflex, right? It just pops out, right? So, like, when the pressure came, okay, their reflex was not to, like, start biting their fingernails and worry and playing what-if games, all right, or strategizing. Maybe we can come up with a plan or a strategy, okay, to kind of, you know, retreat, but still talk about Jesus. Okay, no, they just reflexively prayed and said, God, we need you, and we need you now. Would you move in us? Would you give us what we need in these moments? And not only did they pray, but I love this. It says that they prayed with a unified voice. They lifted their voices together. And so isn't it, isn't it, isn't it just, just amazing how it's, it's likely, okay? I don't think it's a, like a, 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 a risky assumption, okay, to say that these earliest followers, uh, they, many of them were probably there, or they caught word that, hey, Peter and John, they healed a lame man, they preached, more and more people believed in Jesus, and now the authorities are upset about that, and they are arrested. So guess what the believers are doing? These followers of Jesus, they're gathering together, and they're praying. They're praying for the release of Peter and John, God hears their prayer. They're released. They come back to them, and then it's just what? Prayer on top of prayer on top of more prayer. And this is what happens. The closer we draw to God, the more we want to pray. The more we want to pray. I love how God, in this season of personal revival for me, it's just like, guess what? You don't have to ask me. I'm already there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Prayer night on Thursday night at the community center. It was amazing. It was amazing just to, just to come together and to lift our voices together to God in prayer. And if you're saying, oh, man, Pastor Tanner, I missed that. All right, I, I know you're saying that in your heart right now since you weren't there. Many of you weren't there, and we love you. At this number. You can't be at everything, right? We understand that, okay? But, but, but listen, I knew you were going to be disappointed. And so that's why we've scheduled 24 hours of prayer the weekend before Easter, all right? Come on, who's excited about that? 24 hours of prayer the weekend before Easter from Friday, March 23rd, 6 p.m. all the way to 6 p.m. on Saturday, March 24th, okay? And we're not asking you, okay? I think my wife has already, you know, um, put the restrictions on me. I want to be there all 24 hours, but she's like, man, you always get sick around Easter and you need some sleep, okay? So I'm going to even, even I'm going to sleep some, all right? But, but just like sign up for a slot, one hour, two hour, 12 hours, it doesn't matter. The point is we want to get on our knees, cry out together to God, and say, God, would you do amazing things in us, and would you do amazing things through us, not only in this Easter season, but moving forward indefinitely, because your name is worthy to be known around here. Prayer on top of prayer on top of prayer. And every time we pray, we pray to the God who is over the opposition. They pray to the sovereign Lord. All right? That means that, that God has 
authority over all things. He is the, uh, the, the sovereign one, the, the creator, uh, the one who rules and reigns over everything. And we see his authority in the fact that he created all things. He says, the, the sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And so when we pray, we are calling on the God who is king over everything. I hope you see the connection there, okay? The connection between God's authority and our prayer. If, if we are calling, listen to this, as someone has said, if we are calling on the God who has Genesis 1 on his resume, Don't you know that like, he can handle our deal? He can handle what, what's going on in our lives? The God who spoke the world into existence? The God who none of us would be here if he didn't want us here? God? And so they, 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 they call on this king over all kings. And that's why they reference uh, and they pray, actually pray, Psalm chapter 2. Okay, look back at verse 25 and 6. And I love this, you know, it's why we believe the Bible. The Bible was written by men, but it was written by men because God was inspiring the men to write. It says, uh, you know, uh, who through the mouth of our father David, King David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, okay, the Spirit-inspired word, um, why do the nations rage, the Gentiles rage, and the people's plot in vain? And so why are they praying Psalm 2? Okay, let me just real quick, okay? Uh, number one, they're praying Psalm 2 because they actually see it being played out right before their eyes. This is what they, they talk about in verses 27. Truly in this city, just, just weeks before, they were gathered together against your servant Jesus, um, Herod Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. All right, so they're just seeing it play out before their eyes. They're just saying, God, it's happening. People are opposing you. Kings Herod, the, the king of Israel, and, and, and uh, Pilate, the governor of Rome, they're conspiring together at the will of the people, right? This is the people wanted Jesus to be crucified. And they're saying, God, you're even the king over these kings. And we, we need you to, to, to move and to show up. Now, let me teach you something, okay? Let me teach you two things, all right? Are you guys ready to learn? You look like it. This is awesome. All right, so, so, so two things, all right? Number one, uh, when, we, when we spend time with God on the mountain, okay, it, it's great to bring your Bible with you, all right? Just a tip, just a pro tip, okay? So, so, so we, we pray into the Word like, God, uh, open my eyes and, and give me a soft heart and a humble heart to, to listen to what you're saying to me. And then, then we read it, but we don't just stop there, okay? We, we actually pray that what we read about would be true of us. And so we said it last week. I think it's worthy of being said every single Sunday, okay? I don't want to just, I hope you're saying I, we don't want to just read about the history of the book of Acts, okay? We want to relive this book, we want to relive it. We want to see God move mountains right in front of us. We want to see hundreds and hundreds of people step into the life of Christ. And so we, we, we pray the word. We, we ask God to, to do what only he can do. But then number, number two, okay, the second thing I want you to see is that here's a tip. Um, when you see the Old Testament quoted, okay, um, like these are verses one and two of a 12-verse psalm. And so these two verses are like light bulbs to say, hey, remember the entire psalm. 
So you know what the rest of the psalm says? These kings are plotting against you because they don't want you to be God. They want to be God. Which, oh, by the way, is all of humanity's problem. And that's why we all have to turn away from trying to be our own God and allow the true God to be God over us, and then everything starts to work out again. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus lived the life we should have lived, died the death that we should have died. Instead of having to pay the penalty for trying to be God, okay, God himself dies in our place so that now we can experience forgiveness from trying to be God and now worship the true God and have everything else in our lives, work, family, you name it, just all ordered up nice because of now we're living for him. And so it's, so it's in Psalm 2 that they're saying, hey, these, these kings who want to be God, uh, they're, 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 they're no God at all, okay, because guess what? Our God sits in heaven and he laughs. He laughs at the best laid plans of kings who seek to oppose him because he has a Messiah, a deliverer, a coming king who is king over all kings, Jesus. Okay, Psalm 2 is about Jesus. And so it's like, hey, here's the warning. You better get on his side lest you face his judgment. That's what Psalm 2 is all about. That's why they're praying Psalm 2 here. And so I I, I just, real quick, I want to point out, as we think about God being over the opposition, okay, God is, is completely sovereign, okay? That means he's in control of everything. Nothing happens that's not on his watch, okay? It's like he's either caused it or he's allowed it. And if that, if that makes you feel funny, it's just like how else do we explain the crucifixion of Jesus? Man planned it. Herod, Pilate, the people of, of Israel, the the. the the Romans who were in authority, they, they all conspired together to crucify Jesus Christ, and yet it was the pre-planned action of God that he thought up before he created the world and spoke into it in, in existence. Wow. That's called compatibilism, okay? That, that God's sovereignty over everything and man's responsibility are not at odds with one another, even though they appear to be from our vantage point, but they are actually compatible. They actually go together. And this is really important because if we don't believe this, then we won't pray right. So, so just take this example. Like, God, we need you now. If you don't move in us, we are not going to move forward. So they pray that, knowing that God has to do it, and yet then they move out and they actually act on their prayers. They're not opposed. They're compatible. And so prayer calls on the God who has it covered. God is victorious over every enemy. Okay, And this is the beautiful peace, when, when we start to really pray like this, okay, then what we happen, what we see happen is this, that prayer makes God bigger, okay, and man much, much smaller, okay? 
Prayer makes God bigger and man smaller. Now, I know you astute theologians are saying, like, hold on, Tanner. This is false teaching, okay? We can't make God bigger. You're absolutely right. This is, this is a statement from our vantage point, okay? Like, God is, God is, like, here it is. You can't add to infinity. Think about that. You, you add nothing to the infinite. Like, who, who, like, so God is like, when we sing, like, God, we glorify your name, okay? We're not, like, adding to God's glory. God is already infinitely glorious. God is infinitely big. Prayer doesn't make God bigger, but prayer brings God into focus where now we see him for who he truly is. You tracking with me? And these people that we were so fearful of, and, and they seem so big in our eyes, now they're not that big because God is big. Have you ever come down I-93 north? Like, I'm sorry, heading south, I-93 south? Can you see the Hancock Tower from Stoneham? And then go stand beside it by Trinity Church and just look up? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Here, here we go, all right? If you are not regularly pressing into God in prayer, God probably looks like this to you. And that bothers me. That actually breaks my heart for you. Because you're going to walk through life with this kind of view of God when God is like this. Prayer changes our vantage point, right? So we get it. When, when you're up on the mountain, you see things that you cannot see otherwise. And it was, it was just, I was going over my notes this morning, and, and, and this hit me, okay? This just hit me, and, and I hope it hits you, okay? This, this is the connection, okay? This is the connection between our prayer, okay, and our sanctification, okay? Sanctification is just this kind of a fancy word for us becoming more and more and more like Jesus, okay? And that's a really good thing. I don't think anything anybody would be upset about becoming a little more like Jesus, all right? So, so, so here's the connection, okay? Here's the connection. When we pray, what do we do? We, we, we fix our eyes on him, right? Like we fix our eyes on Jesus. It's like it's a conversation. Like when you talk to someone, here, here's another tip. This is just for free, all right? Look them in the eye. You know what I'm saying? Like make some eye contact when you're in conversation with someone. So when we pray, we are looking not to what's around us, okay? Not to one another, okay? We are looking to God. Now, what, is, what does the Bible say about looking to God? Now beholding the glory of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now beholding the glory of the Lord, we, you and I, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That's the connection between our prayer and Alex. So here's, here's another way to say it, okay? Prayer is not so much about us changing stuff. It's not. Prayer is more about God changing 
us. That's why we pray. We spend time with the Father, and the Father changes us. And he changes stuff. But, but usually our motives are like flipped upside. Like, and it's the byproduct. It's just the byproduct of us locking in and seeking after. What are we talking about around here? More and more and more and more of God. The fullness of God in us, overflowing through us. That's why Tozer said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's the most important thing about us. And so I would just say, listen, um, when you need a bigger view of God, just open the book. Please just, just open the book. And here, here's what I'm talking about. If you need your soul stirred for just like reading the Bible, go read Psalm 119. Read it again and again and again. If, if you have not like shared your faith in, in weeks, okay, then open the book of Acts and read it until you start sharing your faith, all right? And then uh, when you need a bigger view of God, I would say go to, to the end of the book of Isaiah, starting in chapter 40, and you're going to see verses like this, Isaiah 42, verse 8. It says, I am the Lord. I like this, all right? This is like God just kind of talking like God does, okay? I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. What about Isaiah 44, verse uh, 6 and verse 8? Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Now listen, we're talking about fear. We're talking about boldness, right? Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you of, from old and declared it, and you are my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? There is no rock I know not any. I love Isaiah 46, verses 8 through 10. This is what God says. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Well, here's one more. You can look up the last one on your own time, but I'm going to give you this one from Isaiah 51 on our time, okay? Uh, starting in verse 12. Uh, I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? Or the son of man who is made like grass? And have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. And you fear continually all the day? I am the Lord, your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Wow. God, you're God. That, you're like, that's who you are? Okay, I think I can step in. I, I, I don't think I have to be afraid of everything that's swirling around me. I don't think I have to care more about what everyone else thinks than what you think, God. Like now I can move and I can step into living boldly for your name because you are that big and that good, right? 
prayer makes God bigger and man smaller. And then listen to this. Prayer, prayer replaces our fear with God's boldness. His, this whole first part of the prayer is just fixing eyes on God. Just God, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. And then in verse 29, we get to the request portion. In light of who you are, God, now would you look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That's the request. Prayer replaces our fear with God's boldness. Don't miss this word grant, okay? Like if something is granted to you, it is given to you, right? Like we, we live in a culture of nonprofits and people are requesting grants, right? Like writing for grants so that their, their projects or their, their, their efforts can be funded, right? And so a grant is a gift. Listen to this. Boldness, we need boldness to move past our fears, right? That boldness is a gift from God. Boldness is a fruit of the Spirit, like what the Spirit is producing in us. We cannot manufacture the boldness that we need to live for God in and of our own strengths. We can't do it. So we, so we go to God and we say, God, would you give me what I cannot give myself? And, and, and I just... I know you're hearing this a lot, but I can't stop saying it, okay? This flows from our relationship with him, okay? It flows from our relationship. It flows from time on the mountain, right? Spending more time on the mountain, knowing him better, loving him with a greater passion, right? So, so, so here's how the Proverbs put it, okay? Uh, Proverbs 29 verse uh, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare. Okay, so when you fear people, people are really big, and, 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 and then what that ha- happens is, like, it entraps you. It holds you back. You see that? When, when you fear people, it, it, it pulls you back. But verse 20, uh, chapter eight, uh, 28, verse 1 says, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Wow. This is like someone who is in Christ and, and, and walking in righteousness, practicing what is right, doing what is right for the sake of God, then, then what you're going to see is there is a relationship between your walk with God and your boldness for God. I hope this helps us look in the mirror a bit. If we lack boldness, we... We probably have a prayer problem, and we probably have a love for God problem. And I'm not saying if you're not bold, you don't love God. I'm just saying that there is room to grow in our love that will ignite boldness. You hear that, right? Listen, over and over and over again in the Bible, we see this command not not to fear. Over 70, some have done the count. They've said this is the command that we see the most in Scripture. 70 times in one translation. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Isn't, like, God is gracious. God is compassionate. God understands our weaknesses. That's why he says again and again and again, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. And, And I don't know if this encourages you, but it certainly encourages me, okay? We have... Peter and John in the room 
praying for boldness. We have the Apostle Paul at the end of Ephesians 6 saying, hey, pray also for me that I might declare the mystery of Christ with what? Boldness. So, so, so if, if Peter and John and, and Paul needed boldness from God, guess what? So do I. So do I. And so listen, if you lack, this is the, this is the, the just sum it up, okay? If you lack boldness, ask for boldness. Just ask for it. God wants to give us boldness. We have not because we ask not. And listen, and we, we, we have not because we, when we ask, we don't really think like God's going to come through. Like God, like God is like this and not like this. And, and so like, when, like let's ask and actually expect God to come through on what we're asking him for. He's a good father. It's his disposition to give us more and more and more of what he's already asked us to do. And so we see their faith, and it's just because they're saying, hey, look, give us boldness while you stretch out your hand and you perform these signs and wonders and do all of these miraculous things uh, through us. It's all about you and your power and your name being known. They're praying with faith. And so what happens here? What happens? I love this. Verse 31, don't miss this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wow, like I have to admit, I've never been in like a prayer gathering where I felt the room shake. I'm waiting for it. All right, I'm waiting for it. Maybe one day. Maybe God will do that. If not, we'll be with him and we'll like, yeah, things will shake. But, 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 but here, here's, here, here's something that's encouraging now, here, here's something that's encouraging, because uh, usually physical manifestations uh, are, are, are meant to, like, drive us to the, the greater spiritual reality. So I can tell you this. When I get together with some friends on Friday morning at 6.15, guess what happens? God shakes up my soul. He shakes up my soul. He, he changes me. He makes me different. He empowers me for that day. He empowers me for that weekend. He keeps me rolling for the next week. God moves when we pray. And what God does is he, as we keep talking about, he gives us the greatest gift, the gift of his spirit, right? So, so there's a, there, there is a continual seeking after the filling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be being filled with the spirit. So as they're praying and asking God to do this, it says that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the spirit as a gift gives them boldness and moves them out to talk more and more about Jesus. And so here's, here's the completion of the metaphor, all right? Prayer on the mountain brings waves of the Spirit's boldness, all right? Prayer on the mountain brings wave after wave after wave of the Spirit's boldness. You see, that some people have, have associated the activity of God, okay, particularly in revival, like we see in the book of Acts, is revival and awakening, just like people awakening to the reality of God, just like what we want to see in our city, okay? And it's just like it, it, waves build, right, over time, okay? So this is like, sometimes it's like Pentecost and boom, but, but usually, at least in our stage of the history of the church, it like builds over time as we pray and we seek after God on the mountain, okay? And then, you know, waves are pretty powerful, okay? Okay, so we kind of get that piece of the metaphor. 
before, but then waves are just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And so we're just praying for that kind of activity of God again through us, that he would, by his Holy Spirit, move us out to ask for boldness and then to be moved with his boldness to go and actually love the people that we say we love by telling them about Jesus. Listen, I, I, I know, I know this can make us a bit uncomfortable. Because why? Because we are afraid. Listen, I, I said a few weeks ago, all the pastor, he says, like, you can be a beast in the pulpit, like, it's, like when you're preaching. Okay, so it's like people used to use these like kind of wooden frames and set their Bible. It's called a pulpit. Okay, he said you can be a beast in the pulpit and a coward in your neighborhood. Too, too, too far often. That, that's me. And so I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And if you are like me, listen, you need a breakthrough in this area. You just need a breakthrough. You need God to move in your life in such a way that, that, listen, it's not weeks and weeks and weeks or months and months and months or, dare I say, years and years and years since the last time you actually talked to someone about Jesus. Listen, if, if, you, are, if you are pushing back in your heart about what I'm saying right now, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, you absolutely need a breakthrough if it's been weeks, months, and years since you've not just like wanted to talk to someone about Jesus, but you've actually talked to someone about And listen, I, I say that as one who needs the same thing, right? I don't say that to condemn. Listen, there is no condemnation in Christ. There's none. But there is conviction of the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit saying, yes, that's true. Yes, that's like, yes, that's true. And, and so, so what, I, what I'm asking, and just I want to invite the, 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 the music team to come on up. What I want to ask you is, is this, okay? Listen, this is, this is the greatest business under the sun. Right, you hear me? Like, talking about Jesus, don't check out. Do not check out right now. This is the greatest business under the sun. And don't you know, like, if you think, like, come and find me after when you tell me what you think is more important than this. Just let's have a conversation in, in love. Let's have a debate. All right? I love you. Thank you. This is, this is the greatest business. So don't you know? Don't you know this is what Satan wants to keep us from doing more than anything else? More than anything else. And so he lies in your ears all day long. He just spits lies at you. You're not good enough. You don't have the answers. Oh, what are they going to think about you? And so we say, shut your mouth, right? We say, shut your mouth, Satan. Get behind us, right? And, and more than that, we don't just talk to him. It's okay, you can talk to Satan, by the way. We don't only talk to him, all right, but we talk to God. And we say, God, make us bold. God, make us brave. God, I don't, 
know how to get into that conversation, but God, you make me bold to the point where it's just like, hey, I'm going in. You know, it's like, I am going in here. And listen, it might be kind of in a covert way. It's like, you know, uh, just talking about life and struggles and then boom, we just get into a spiritual conversation. That's really good. I try to do that all the time. But guess what? There are times where we just need to squash the covert method and just go with the overt method and say, hey, you know what? I want to talk to you about something. I just want to talk to you. I want to tell you about what's most important to me. Like, I love this. There's a new believer in my small group, and we were talking about, you know, sharing our faith. Just, we saw Peter just laying it out there last week, and so we talked about that. That's what we do in our groups, and so, you know, he he said this, and and I I think we all need to hear this. He said, there are people in my life, these guys, they know I care about them to the point where I can just say, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about. Wow. What an amazing thought. And in that, in that moment on Tuesday night, listen to this. It affirmed, Dan, you guys can come on out. Uh, it affirmed what God was telling me Earlier that morning when I hung out with, with some of our leaders, okay, and, and, and one of them was sharing about some coworkers that they care about. And so I just felt like God said, you know what, you need to encourage him. And what I shared was this. I said, you know what, people know that you love them. People respect you more than you probably even think they do. And so listen, listen to this. Here, here's the last thing, and I'm going to pray. Listen. You have less to fear than you think you do. You have less to fear than you think you do. Because listen, people know that you love them. You've been walking with them. You've been living life with them. You've been working with them for months and years. Like, it's not, it's, listen, it is not a huge step to just say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. Can, can, we, can we start moving God Move us into that place. Lord, let's just, let's just pray. I'm going to get on my knees. You can get on your knees if you want, if you're in the aisles. Or you can come down here and pray as Dan is singing and leading us into this song. But we just, God, let's cry out to God together because we cannot do this in our own strength. Father, we pray, God, sovereign Lord, the one who has made all things. God, we ask that you would move us. That these would be more than words on a page but that your Holy Spirit would make us bold, make us brave, move us out with actually beautiful feet that are saying, you have called me to move toward people in love and to give them the information of the greatest gift that is known in heaven and earth. And so God, we need you. God, we need you. We need you to give us boldness in the place of fear so that more and more people can know what we know about you. We pray this in the name of Christ.